Hi, I'm Nomi Ben-Shahar. I'm an artist. I work with paintings, weavings, photography, and video art. My name is Monica Bravo. I'm from Bogota, Colombia, and I currently live in Miami Beach. I'm a multidisciplinary artist. I create animated environments, and I have a deep commitment and devotion towards public art commissions. My name is Jeff Koningsberg. I am an artist and a visual arts educator. My artistic medium is mixed media drawing and printmaking and some relief sculpture but all drawing based. I teach art to elementary to high school kids. I've been doing that as well for 25 years. Hello, my name's Simon Aldridge and I'm a painter and sculptor. Um, and I was an artist in residence at the World Trade Center in um, September 11th, 2001. Hi, I'm Ben Davis, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from Artnet News, where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest news story down to earth. This week marks the 20th anniversary of the attacks on the World Trade Center in New York. Thousands of people who worked at the Trade Center or who witnessed the events of 9-11 or who lost loved ones have stories about that day. Among these are the artists of the World Views artist residency. In a terrible irony, the residency had been started by the Port Authority to put unused office space to work following the earlier 1993 bombing of the Trade Center to try to draw businesses back. Run by the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council, World Views gave each cohort all hours access to the building and six months of workspace on the 91st and 92nd floors of the North Tower. As the name suggests, World Views brought applicants from around the world drawn to the prestige of New York and the chance to make work in such a unique space with its dramatic views of the city. Nomi Ben-Shahar, Monica Bravo, Simon Aldridge, and Jeff Konigsberg were four of the 15 artists participating in the World Views residency in 2001. Amid the commemorations and reflections on the meaning of the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this week, we asked them to share their memories of the space, the day, and how the experience has affected them going forwards. Here they are. Worldviews Residency was a wonderful initiative that started by Lower Manhattan Cultural Council. It was headed at the time by an inspiring and wonderful, kind, funny individual called Mokhtar Kokach. And they invited for every period of six months 15 artists and writers to come and have residency, have studios at the World Trade Center, 91st and 92nd floors. And it was a remarkable program for many reasons. It was one of the most prestigious art residencies available in, in the New York area um, at the time. And I was attracted to it because a lot of artists that I admired had been through the program in previous years. So I applied and was very fortunate to gain a place there. I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled to be accepted. I think there was about four or 500 applications and I think 14 of us got accepted for our section of the program. 
and it was people from all over the world and a really nice group. It was a great opportunity for me as it was the first art residency that I applied to and I got selected. I was very excited about working in the Tower 1 of the World Trade Center, although to be honest, I had not visited the residency before applying. So what I had in my imagination was very different from where I encountered the first time I met everybody at the LMCC when they showed us the site. The opportunity was awesome, a dream. Each artist received a studio and there was a lot of shared open space. Each studio had the amazing views that were from up there, big windows, lots of light, and everything was happening at the business center that was the World Trade Center. I remember getting up there that you had to take two escalators, go through security checks, take elevators, two elevators, in fact. It was very corporate. But then you got into this raw open space that was such an antithesis to what was going on in the lobby and trying to get there. So the raw and open space together with the incredible views over Manhattan, over Statue of Liberty, over the Hudson River, were really a stark contrast that was awe-inspiring and pretty magnificent. The space? Well, the space was weird. Our joint was in a corner, and it felt like a huge ashtray. Many people came there to smoke cigarettes throughout the years. Its narrow windows made me feel like a prison cell. So I went ahead and I canceled the space by painting the walls in black and obscuring the view. It's about a 15,000 square foot space, um, raw, and it had never been occupied and built out as an office space. It was just the raw floor plate and it had been that way since the building was built, which was remarkable. Something that's not talked about very much is a lot of the building was actually vacant. It feels like a good fifth of the building was vacant space. Maybe more, maybe less, but we would go and explore empty office spaces. We had half of a floor uh, and our side was a raw space, exposed ceiling where you could see the beams and the beams had this sort of gray foam. Um, it's this insulation. So there was this gray foam insulation on the beams. That was a lot of what the, the smoke was when the building came down. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, at 8.46 and 9.03 a.m., two passenger planes hit the twin towers of the World Trade Center. That morning, I woke up at my normal time, 8.30. I went to get coffee at a cafe that I love on Hudson Street. I was living in the West Village at the time, so I planned to walk to the studio. It was a gorgeous day, and I was enjoying my iced coffee, thinking about what I was going to work on that day. And at some point, I noticed that there were many people around me who were looking up and pointing up to the sky. 
I looked as well, and I saw the second plane hit the second tower. At that point, I remember all of my brain circuits kind of crossing each other, trying to process what was going on, and immediately starting to talk to everybody around me. Everybody was trying to figure out, trying to get information. Uh, in the beginning, I remember we thought it was a small private plane. I also ran into a couple of artist friends that I believe came from a morning soccer game or some workout thing. It was Steve Benedetto and Wayne Gonzalez, and we were talking for a long time trying to process together. At some point, my phone beeped and I saw that I had a message. It was my brother who was visiting me at the World Trade Center at the studio the week before. And on September 11th, he was already back in Israel where he lives and he saw on CNN what was going on and he left me a very worried message urging me to call home immediately to let everybody know that I was safe. I remember both the sense of fear, shock, incredible shock, of course, that um, everybody around was experiencing. I remember trying to go to donate blood at St. Vincent's Hospital, who was at the time still there. And in fact, there were so many people who went to donate blood that they ended up rejecting me and a group of people who arrived maybe an hour later because they had too many donors. I remember gathering at this cafe again later that afternoon I think Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson were there at the cafe and a whole bunch of regular customers who went there trying to find a sense of home and kinship with people. And everybody was incredibly humbled, incredibly compassionate. There was a sense that everybody offered help to each other. And there was a sense of the boundaries really melting between people. The... New York rough edges all melted and people were just really incredibly kind and supportive of each other. I was sleeping. I had arrived late the night before. After the storm ended, I left the building. I was still sleeping when the phone rang. We were living in Brooklyn Heights and we could see the towers from our bedroom. My friend Susanna called and my then husband picked up the phone. All I heard him saying was, yes, yes, she's here. Are you sure? She said, yes, she's here. You want to talk to her? I started talking to Susanna, and she told me about the plane. She lives in the village. She was aware of the plane hitting the towers very early on. So I looked at the window. I saw the second plane coming in, hitting the south tower. I was in shock, for my body knew that it was an act of terrorism. I responded really fast. I decided I could not look at it in real time. I had to put a filter. I also pick up a printed list with the names and numbers from everyone in the residency and I started calling. I called Jeff Conisberg. He was with fellow artist Michael Richards when I left the building the night before. They had been watching a game with the New York Giants in which they were defeated by the Denver Broncos. Then I called Mukhtar Kokachi. He was the director of visual and media arts at the LMCC. We were trying to assess very quickly what to do next. Where was Michael? We were all very worried about his whereabouts. A meeting for the following Thursday was quickly organized uptown. 
I called my family and close friends to let them know we were safe. Minutes later, there will be no more phone lines. All lines collapsed, as the towers did too. I think that we did not eat or move from that TV monitor. We watched it for endless hours in disbelief. I might have experienced a kind of disassociation from the event as I sat calm, organizing what we all needed to do and what to do next. On the morning of September 11th, early in the morning, I was still at my studio. I was there till about 1.30 in the morning. Michael Richards and I were both working in the studio. He was working across from me on his sculpture, and I was working on my wall piece. And I had my headphones on. I was listening to music, I would imagine. He was working on his stuff, and we hung out a little bit. We actually watched some TV together. We watched a bit of a football game together. If I remember correct, it was uh, the Giants and the Broncos. And at around 1.30 in the morning, I said, okay, Michael, I'll see you later. I said goodbye, something like that. The next morning, I would say, we must have been around 8.30, right, 8.45. I was sleeping in my apartment, and there was a pounding on my door, on my front door. I went downstairs, opened the door. It was one of my neighbors who was relieved to see me. I never understood. He was smiling when he saw me, so I always was confused by that because of what he just told me. But I, I sort of realized years later that he was smiling because he was happy to see me. But he told me that something had happened at the World Trade Center, that a plane hit the World Trade Center. And I turned around and I looked out my window, and my window, I was living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and my window was facing south, and there was a building in the way. I couldn't see the World Trade Center, but I could see a zigzag of smoke in the air. And so I ran upstairs, I ran to the roof of my building and saw our building on fire, you know, like everybody, I was like, you know, put it out. What's going on? You know, I knew there were sprinklers throughout the building. I wasn't completely getting it, you know. And I let out a scream. I screamed no. And then I went back downstairs and just cried, you know, and then just cried for months. I remember also checking my answering machine, and there were just panic message on my answering machine, like my dad who was working in Midtown in his office, you know, and he hadn't heard from me. And the phone lines were clogged up or something like that. The morning of September 11th, the way that I remember it is that I think we were all working late the night before. And I left around 11. Most people were still there, I would say. And Michael Richards was next to me. And Michael asked me, as I was leaving, if, if he could lay out his sleeping bag on my big eight-foot drawing table that I built in the space so that he didn't have to sleep on the concrete floor. And I said, yes, of course, yeah, go ahead. And headed home and early-ish, earlier than everyone else, and I said, right, I'm coming back early tomorrow morning and um, to finish what I wanted to finish. So um, I, I left with that in mind that Michael was sleeping on my table and that I was gonna go in early the next morning. Then on September 11th, I was up early, getting ready to leave to go in. And um, I got a phone call from overseas, which I felt obliged to take, and um, that delayed me. And that's why I wasn't 
in the studio when the plane hit it, which was the first plane that hit the um, 91st floor. So it's one of those nine lives that you have that was taken up that day. Unfortunately, Michael was there. So my first thought when I saw the planes hit was that um, it was a direct hit on the studio space. There was absolutely no, no hope of salvaging anything from the space. So yeah, my first thoughts were for Michael and I had this sinking feeling in my stomach that he must have been there. The Brooklyn-born artist Michael Richards was in the 92nd floor studio when Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower. His name is among the thousands listed in the 9-11 memorial that now occupies Ground Zero on the footprint of the former towers. We didn't know each other before and we were getting to know each other. We were becoming friends. I don't know if we would have become great friends. He told me a lot of good stories. He was there later, and I was there later in the day a lot. He was working a lot. Michael worked as an art installer, and he had a gig at the Bronx Museum. And it, there was a direct train from the World Trade Center, the four train, from the World Trade Center all the way up to the Bronx Museum. And it was a much closer commute than it would have been for him from home. He lived way out in Sunset Heights in Queens, which is near the airport, JFK airport, and it's a very long commute. So he would sleep over sometimes. We went to a party together once. He told me some funny stories. His family, he grew up in Jamaica. He experienced some really interesting historical moments in Jamaica. He was at a very famous Bob Marley concert where Bob Marley reunited two warring factions, two warring political factions. During my residency, I had some contact with Michael. I remember having a lot of political conversations with him. Our views of the politics of the U.S. government as foreigners were quite diverse from the medium person born in the USA. We came from the outside. He was from Jamaica. I came from Colombia. There was a tacit kinship. One day, the moving wall I had built with wheels to cover my view fell on the floor. I started screaming. He came running to help me. He lifted up. We spoke for hours that day. He showed me his work and he told me about the Tuskegee Airmen and how they were segregated after having fought during the Second World War. These kind of discrepancies were the source of many of our talks. He was a fine, gentle, yet strong and very talented man. The day before, on September 10th, I had filmed the storm and I had taken the tape with me. In the days that follow, I decided to edit the material into a five-minute document, and I dedicated this to him. The buildings and him had been the last witnesses of that view. Michael was clearly an amazing visionary person. His work was very, very powerful. And he was telling us at an evening we all shared a few days before September 11th, um, we were all sharing our work and showing slides of what we were working on. And Michael was talking about how he was working on a group of 
sculpture, life-size self-portraitures that um, had airplanes hitting those life-size bodies. And he was working on uh, being inspired by the Tuskegee, the group of African-American pilots from World War II. And he was talking about his experience as an African-American artist. Um, but once September 11th happened and Michael didn't make it, he died in the attack. You couldn't help but really think about how a part of Michael almost knew what was going to happen. It was... Uh, a clear testament to the power of the unconscious, power of things that really are very hard to explain, that is a power that Michael very much had, no doubt. The events of that day left a mark on everyone who witnessed the devastation. For the artists of the World Views Residency, the experience has had a lasting impact on their lives and practices. Personally, I felt that it was both a trauma, a huge trauma. I grew up in Israel, so I grew up experiencing all kinds of shocking events and scary events and in a way I thought that I escaped to New York and making art and there you go uh, it was nothing I could escape really. I was also teaching at the time at Fordham University I was teaching photography and many of my students were new to New York. I at the time was living in New York for 12 years already so we all used the time together to process everything and all the assignments had to do with going out and helping the students to understand the place and their own reaction to everything that was happening. So that part was, for me, almost a saving grace. It made me wake up in the morning, the fact that I was working with my students made me really think about them, more about my own troubles and what happened. And also the fact that the community of artists, the 15 artists that we all experienced everything together, we became a huge support group and met regularly to support each other uh, and help us process the events from our unique perspective, which was as artists, really, who were at the towers. That sense of understanding the power of community, and as well as feeling like my connection to the city, to New York, had strengthened. Personally, these were the two most um, powerful things that happened in a positive way. But of course, there was the trauma, which was something that lasted for many, many years. And um, I feel that it really got into my, my bones and my body in a way that is hard to describe, but was very, um, very 
influential. I think other world events have taken over as sort of inflection points in history. But for me, it, it's always been September 11th that was the most impactful in my life, certainly. And it's something that I still struggle to think about and to deal with and to digest and to live with. And that sense of foreboding has sort of stayed with me since then. And um, I've used it in my artwork and um, tried to harness it because it's such a powerful event in my life. My first real thought in the aftermath was, why me? Why do I serve as a vessel for this piece and what is it for? My spirit has found meaningful ways to express creativity through the material realm. I am very much aware of the impact I create with everything I commit myself to, whether it's a new public art commission where I'm interested on listening to the needs of the community or engaging on one-to-one -one mentorships as well as workshops for communities. I am here to connect, communicate, and inspire other beings to be sovereign. 911 activated a sense of responsibility on really focusing to find out what is it the real purpose of my soul here in this journey. Events like that will test your foundation. And I was not coming from, and I did not have a strong foundation. So it really slowly kind of broke me It in the classic ways of, I just started drinking a lot. No matter how drunk I was, I was always completely, the core of me was always right sober. So a lot of drinking and a lot of personal issues, a lot of family issues, and they all sort of came together. Um, and art just lost its, its fun for me, and I wanted to try to reclaim something that I lost. And I had a very hard time making these site-specific pieces or feeling like I had it figured out enough. So I started making smaller work. Much of it, when I look back on, I don't like. I like aspects of the work. I don't like my intentions. I don't trust my intentions. I don't trust my choices. I like the skill of it or some of the ideas there. And eventually, around 2010, I stopped making work. I just stopped. I decided to stop making artwork. I moved out of New York, 2011. Didn't make art for almost eight years, nine years. I've just started making art again and now it's going very well. I enjoy it again. I lost the love of making art. It became a competitive thing for me. It became something I identified myself too closely with. Um, and now I love it as much as I did almost, almost to the level of when I was in college, when I was really just excited to try new ideas. And I'm going to try to reacquaint myself to a degree with the art world and I guess I'll do it the same way I did it before, which was entering residencies. That's it for this week. A very special thanks to the artists Simon Aldridge, Nomi Ben-Shahar, Monica Bravo, and Jeff Konigsberg for sharing their stories. Michael Richards' life and art are currently celebrated in Michael Richards' Are You Down?, a show at the Museum of Contemporary Art, North Miami. The Art Angle was produced by Sonia Manalili, Caroline Goldstein, and Tim Schneider. Until next week, take care. <laughs>